0: trusted by the top names in the real estate industry like Kyle Whistle, Andrew Franklin, John Kitchens, and many more. Get ready to up your success and we'll help you achieve your business goals. Book your free consultation at spearrocketva.com and find out how we can make your life easier.
1: Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Icon Podcast. I'm your host as always, Gianna. And today we have Michael and Jake from the Axon Group, yeah?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's great to be here. I uh, appreciate you having us.
1: Of course, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for making the time. Yeah. It's going to be super exciting. Um, so let's start. Whoever wants to go first, give us the lowdown. Um, before you guys became a team, right? How did you become real estate agents? How did this career path come to you? How did you end up in the market you're in right now? What's the story? A loaded question. I know.
2: Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll kick it off. You know, we uh, were both investors. And so, you know, my background, I uh, have my master's in business and originally um, was a uh, working in, in stock market finance. And so um, that was a, a huge interest of mine ever since I was a kid. And um, I love numbers. I was, I was a math team nerd. And so, um, you know, decided that was a, a path that I wanted to go down. And the more that I studied, you know, alternative investment, you know, vehicles, Uh, the more that I realized that there were just so many hidden advantages to real estate um, versus the stock market. You know, you're not competing with um, the same kind of competition. You know, you're not uh, dealing with a a ton of automation that you've got nowadays in the stock market. So I started to look into real estate as an investment tool. And um, after a little while realized that it was going to be beneficial to uh, get my license so that I could be my own agent for my own deals and uh, back in 2019, got my license, and then we all know what happened in 2020. Uh, and so the mix of having you know a, a good background in investing and connections in the investing world, with you know the the way that the market took off, you know, uh, I was able to you know take off very quickly as an agent, and uh, you know just kind of went from zero to 100, you know, you know, very fast.
1: Absolutely. And Jake, your turn. Give us the scoop.
2: Yeah, for me, I I hated
3: numbers. I hated finance, hated accounting. Um, uh, so you guys are it just perfect more, together. <laughs> yep. So for me, it was more of a, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I owned a logistics brokerage um, before becoming an agent, uh, but had been an investor for years as well. Um, my interests stemmed more from starting something of my own, having my own you know passive income stream eventually. So my initial intentions... Uh, had very little, little to do with actually selling real estate, but more expanding, you know, my reach for my personal investments. But as a lot of investors will tell you to get their uh, license, they, you know, things evolve and things change. And then eventually, um, you know, started off with EXP because of the low fees and the ability to self brand and kind of just do my own investment thing, but then uh, evolved into primarily doing sales, in fact, so it kind of I flipped the script on myself a little bit.
1: Well, awesome, guys. Um, Great background here. Now, obviously, you know, this isn't a question for most of my icons, but we're going to ask about how you guys came together, and then we'll go into how y'all found eXp. But, you know, now you're a team, so how did this happen?
3: Yeah, so... So, I'll go again. Um, Yeah, go ahead. uh, Mike and I were... We usually were not uh, team members or had partnered up at eXp. We were just both agents in the, we're in the Chicago market uh, doing our own thing. And uh, we eventually kind of tripped into the same niche or started competing with each other, right? We were calling the same clients, seeing each other at at showings without knowing who each other were. Um, (laughs) In fact, I recall like leaving one and um, kind of looking over my shoulder and then jumping on a phone call with him and saying, I think I just saw you at a at a showing not knowing who he was so this started happening consistently and we're like we should just join forces here and and you know try to monopolize things a little bit more so um that's how it came to be and uh since then we've grown uh an investor kind of focus team in chicago and we're looking to expand other markets as well um so again evolution you know we both never really intended on maybe pretend perhaps growing our own teams uh but uh you know there was a lot of synergy there, so it worked out well.
1: Absolutely. Okay, awesome. And then the the introduction to eXp, were you guys, you know, was that your first brokerage or, um, you know, you guys said you were independent agents first. So how were each of you introduced to eXp? Were you skeptical of it? You know, how were you, like, who introduced you to it? Did that make an impact? Just kind of give me that lowdown.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I... I was very fortunate to be introduced to eXp. I didn't know what eXp was. Um, and so when I got my license, I was working, you know, for a mortgage company, um, not on the mortgage side actually, but in business expansion. So the um, company was growing really quick. I was helping them, you know, set up new locations and, and, you know, all of the, the things that were needed to, you know, set up, you know, the same business that they had here in Chicago in, in other locations. Um, and so, that type of business expansion was something that I think has been good for the team. But, um, you know, I, I had the, the CEO of the company who was constantly in my ear about, Hey, you need to invest. Hey, you need to do this. And so when I finally was like, all right, listen, I did it. Like I got my license. I, I'm, you know, I, I want to do this. And so, um, when, he's like, yeah, when you decide you want to start using that license, I know a guy who works for a brokerage, um, and so I got introduced to a guy that he knew who was an icon agent, um, uh, Jay Lehman down in, in Champaign, really good guy. Um, and I had one conversation and I was like, yeah, this is for me. This is, it all makes sense. Everything is, is ideal. Like I looked into what other brokerages had, but you know, as soon as I heard the pitch, it was done. I wasn't looking anywhere else.
1: He was sold. Awesome. Yep. Well, Jake, what about you?
2: Yeah, same, similar story in the sense that it's my
3: first brokerage and hopefully last. Right, um, I got into it because I one of my best friends uh, was an agent at EXP, had been with a local competitor uh, in Chicago for a long time, and um, I when I had sold my logistics company, he was getting into more into real estate and investments. I found myself giving him constantly giving him referrals, and I think I counted one. Over like ten months, I gave him eight or nine referrals, and I'm like, "This is enough. I need to get my license at least and capitalize on these." Um, so for me, it was originally just to just to get a license to hang it somewhere, right? It was very mm-hmm. low risk at EXP, low fees, low inch, you know, low barrier to entry. So let's just get it. In worst case, you know, kind of see what happens. But uh, it, you know, I'm super glad it happened. And uh, for me, I think, like I said, it's going to be the first and the last stop
1: absolutely that's awesome um and that's my next question jake you know you said it's your last stop so what about exp guys you know makes you say i never want to leave this brokerage what are some things that you know that maybe you didn't expect about exp and now you're over here and you utilize it very often, or it's become an aspect of eXp that you really enjoy, uh, just kind of give us the the point of view and how you guys use eXp to your advantage and why you would never want to leave. But never say never, of course, but you know what I'm <laughs> Right, saying.
3: right, I'll, I'll start it. I'll give uh, at least, you know, um, like I said, like, what drew me in was the ability to self-brand and kind of have my own identity there, right? I was always a business owner. I didn't like the idea of really working for anybody or conforming to exactly what, you know, was someone was telling me to do and how to market. Um, So that drew me in initially, right? Uh, But I think what's surprised me and what's made me stick are benefits, right? The multiple streams Mm -hmm. of income, um, revenue share, uh, stock options, and then, I think one of the biggest things a lot of people, maybe especially ones that joined years ago and it's grown so, you know, so rapidly, so recently, is that we're in 50 states and multiple countries, right? So effectively, we have our license in 50 states and multiple countries if you have referral basis and you have that opportunity to grow. So I never really even understood what, you know, referring people was in real estate. And all of a sudden, you know, if you have any type of, you know, presence. Um, again, I don't know if it's social media or any, you know, anything of the sort or just connections. Right. And you know, someone you live in Chicago, but you know, someone looking to buy a town home in Washington. Hey, I have a mastermind and, you know, I have a great high level, you know, agent network that's going to take care of you. And then whoops, you get 25% of that commission or more. Right. So I think that was one of the most surprising benefits if, if you know, if
2: I could say that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that there's a, there's two things that come to mind for me. And, you know, one of them, I've told this story to a number of, you know, potential recruits. Um, It's that we did an inspection at a 15 unit um, last year in November, I believe it was. And I remember having a conversation at the inspection. It was a long inspection. Um, So we got into numbers a little bit with the other agent. And, you know, the other agent from an unnamed company was giving up 40% of his commission and he made about half a million dollars and he had no cap. He had a consistent 40% split. And, you know, we're over here, you know, and, and I looked at my numbers from last year and with, you know, becoming an icon and, you know, then with the revenue share, I paid DXP nothing literally nothing because my revenue share exceeded, you know, the additional amount, like the cap transaction fees, plus the monthly desk fees. And, and, you know, everything was covered after becoming an icon. So the, that alone is just, it's almost impossible to match. Um, And then, you know, Jake will tell you this. I am just all over eXp's referral network. I kind of built my business around being the go-to person in Chicago or trying to anyways. I mean, there's other great Chicago agents, but, um, you know, there's a a lot of times that, you know, I just get these random messages, Hey, I, I have somebody in Chicago that needs to sell. And I saw your name all over workplace. Um, and you know, I, I look at these, these other referral groups that are on like Facebook and, and there's 200 agents for every, you know, Chicago referral that are just, like piranhas to every, you know, thing, you know, from a million different brokerages and EXP tries to keep everything in house. And, you know, so we have, you know, done countless deals. I don't, I can't even tell you like, you know, probably over a hundred deals in the last two years that were referrals that came from EXP's internal referral network. So that aspect of EXP wanting to keep it in house, wanting to trust other EXP agents and, and support each other that has just been completely invaluable for us.
1: Absolutely. I love that. And like you said, invaluable for you guys. It continues to, um, you know, just give support and keep it within and really fuel the fire that EXPs become and that flagship and you know, before we dive into all things Icon Award and production, let's talk about your guys's personal life, right? So uh, if you let it, real estate will run you to the ground, right? It'll be a 24 seven job, overwhelming, no, no play, all work. So how do you guys draw boundaries and, you know, everything um, else that it takes to make it a work life balance?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll start because Jake might actually have an answer to this. I'll be honest, I've not done well with that. Um, I've not had much of a work-life balance. Um, I keep telling myself that I'm going to, um, you know, but, you know, we are, we're expanding. And I, I think that the, the one thing that Jake and I are hoping for will lead to more work-life balance is, eventually, you know, pulling ourselves back from the majority of production, except for commercial. And so that's what we've been working towards lately, but, you know, I still do a lot of listings, you know, regardless of price point, I will take listings wherever, uh, and, you know, we are expanding into multiple, you know, different cities and expanding the team. And so I've, I've gotten a second phone, um, and I'm trying to utilize that to, to have a bit of a social life, but, uh, Unfortunately, I am, I'm not married, no kids, nothing like that. So I have not made it an emphasis to have a, uh, have well, a like, life. Well,
1: that doesn't define success. So don't feel bad. Uh, you know, it just like what, what refuels you, right? So a uh, work-life balance doesn't mean you've got a wife and kids. It just means like you know how to step away and recharge and what fuels you and how you take care of your, your mind, body, and soul, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and I guess the only thing that I do well and, and Jake will tell you this, you know, probably be one of the first things he tells you is I take a lot of phone calls at the gym. So I do make sure that I get to the gym every single day and uh, I get my workouts in and I do answer emails and get on calls in between, you know, sets and reps at the gym. Um, so I, I, I am very fortunate to have that. But um, yeah, the the work life balance is a work in progress for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Jake, uh, and you know, that's okay. Hold on, Michael. Let me, let me reverse uh, it's progress, right? So it's something that's constantly evolving for the situations that you're in. And I feel like a lot of people feel the pressure to just have the perfect work-life balance, but nobody really does, right? Um, because I'll admit, you know, I go to work, but my life balance is definitely more favored by me, right? Going out and going to the gym and um, when I can focus a little more on on work sometimes. So uh, nobody has it perfected, but you've just got to kind of find your perfect balance. So don't feel bad. <laughs> like you're gonna like call a therapist after this and be like oh god, <laughs> you, me no, you feel love bad what you do you don't work, life work balance.
3: In, you love what you do you don't work a day in your life right so mike loves what he does right all day yeah. every good day
1: <laughs> well good well michael i'm glad that's a, that's a great point jake um now it's your turn you know what's what's your work-life balance look like how do you keep it um all in line and create routine there.
3: Yeah. Again, I, you know, I work a lot, but I think the type of work is different, right? Like, you know, we're, we're working a good amount of time technically, but you know, I come from have, owning an office and being in an office and owning a company with a bunch of employees and it's a different type of work, right? So it's not about like, you know, hundred percent time blocking and having complete disconnection work. It's just a different type, right? Because you can work from home and and still kind of be enjoying what you're doing, right? So I I think that's a big part of it, right? You don't have to necessarily separate completely. Uh, But but personally, I think it's important to, you know, understand delegation, right? Mike and I have had some success with bringing on, you know, uh, administrators and uh, passing off some of the work and focusing on, you know, high level tasks, right? So I think a big part of, you know, a lot of what people should do especially agents is understand like the value of their time right you know assign a number uh to yourself hourly right understand what your hourly worth is is your work worth and if you can get it done for cheaper pass it along pay someone else to do it right you know delegate sure, it to a team member. give them a listing that you know or a, a showing or whatever it might be that you know takes an hour of their time but yours is better spent doing you know if that's something with your family, great. If it's doing, you know, prepping for a different type of appointment or a higher value client, you should do it right. Don't take on too much. Um, so I think at the end of the day, whether it's like, it's not necessarily a personal practice, but, um, I look at, you know, my, my time, I, I value it highly. Right. So if I can get someone else to do it for less than that number, uh, I do it.
1: Awesome. No, that's, that's, A great point. Um, Leveraging out the work that you need to be done because um, Skyly, I I don't have her quote right in front of me. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, So this is just kind of like a gist of it. But she said you may be the best at what you're doing, uh, like social media, transactions, whatever else. But are you the best if it's not getting done? Right. So if you're leveraging stuff like that out, um, you know, posting on social media and doing some marketing, following up on leads, uh, you're going to get so much further with production and increasing your business growth. And so it takes me back to a hill that I will die on is that you have to spend money to make money.
0: Mm-hmm. So whether
1: that's with VAs, it, you know, hiring admin stateside and assistant, whatever that is, you will be surprised. You know what? That's thirty thousand dollars coming out of your pocket. That's obviously going to be cheaper and different for virtual assistants. But you know, that's thirty grand. Say, for example, to have stateside assistant, and then you know, how much more money are you going to make off of that based on the tasks that you are delegating off? The more listings that you can attend, um, more phone calls you can take, etc.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent agree, Greg. Yeah. And and I think that that's something that, you know, I struggled with early Mm -hmm. and Jake, was actually a little bit better at than I was. And, you know, as soon as we did, you know, bring somebody on, I wasn't spending three hours every single night, you know, working on, you know, our, our transactions and the paperwork. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I was able to look for properties for, you know, higher level clients. And, Uh, you know, there's just so much more that you can do that you didn't realize you weren't doing when you delegate some of the smaller tasks.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, delegation, it's okay to do leverage it out. That's, that's the key to success, especially in this industry. And guys, let's talk about the icon award. It's why you're here, right? So, um, production is typically hitting your cap and then 20 transactions after that. Just for the sake of listeners, maybe somebody who's looking at EXP for the first time through this podcast, you know, and does that icon goal look different for you guys because you're, you know, business partners, or is that the same? And are you able to achieve icons separately? How does that look for you guys in about, you know, we'll we'll actually get to that question next because it's loaded. So I don't want you guys to forget some of the, some of the aspects. So what does iconing look like? to you guys from a business partner standpoint?
2: I- iconing for us is, is fortunately the same. So, you know, we, we both are able to achieve Icon. Uh, we, we both, you know, split all of our deals. And so, um, you know, when Jake puts a big deal under contract or when I put a, a big deal under contract, you know we're both counting towards Icon the same. And so we're pretty much achieving Icon in the same amount of time every single year. Which is good, Um, and so it's yeah, it's it's been good for us. It's it's good because you know I I think that with the level of production that we're fortunate to be able to do, it's something that has become just part of the process for us. But it leads to a lot more. And one of the things that I realized very early on is that I was pretty skilled at working with investors. I knew how to talk numbers, but it became 10 times easier for people to, you know, want to hand me referrals when I went on workplace and put that icon next to my name. Um, and so it's, it's become kind of a, a self-perpetuating thing where, you know, you work to become icon and and the work is just about the same every single year. But, you know, the status of being icon affords you a lot in this company and it affords you a lot when it comes to recruiting as well. Uh, I think that, you know, the fact that I can tell people, Hey, I, you know, was not a real estate agent. I joined EXP and I became icon and, you know, just over a year that leads me to being able to bring on a lot more people.
1: Right. Absolutely. And Jake, you know, what's your point of view of it all?
3: Yeah. Similar. You know, I, I wasn't joining EXP st- knowing or expecting to cap or become an icon or counting on that right it's just kind of another thing that exp offers that's just a icing on the cake type of thing you know it's like oh wow now i get my sixteen thousand dollar cap back that's a bonus Mm -hmm. and not an expectation right so i think that's you know exp does a good job of and i think you know that's a lot of credit to the you know the the upline that brought me on is they weren't overselling it right. And under delivering, it was like, Hey, if you hit, if you hit your cap or you hit icon, then good, you know, and for us, again, I think it's also been just a, a little bit of a self measure. Right. And I, it sounds like, and if I'm not mistaken, about the top 2% of agents at eXp hit icon. Right. So it goes to maybe show you that you're going in the right direction and, you know, you know, um, telling your clients and telling other agents that you're in the top 2% of a really big company um, is helpful nonetheless, right? So uh, it's a bit of a bragging tag, but at the end of the day, um, it, it feels good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so my next question is gonna be, you know, production wise, how many houses do you guys have to sell to cap, right? So you said one of your strategy points was one of you was like right in the heart of the city, the other was in the suburbs, so what does the price differences look like on that about how many homes do you have to sell to hit your cap? Obviously, the 20 transactions following.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it it depends on you know what kind of cycle that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake and I do a mix of residential and commercial. And so uh, I think this past year, we had a couple of Decent sized deals that that closed, you know, for for me in in the beginning of my cap year. So I ended up capping in thirty days, and I think that the average price point over that first thirty days was, you know, probably close to five six hundred thousand. Uh, but our trailing average, or at least you know my trailing average for the last two years, uh, is somewhere around three fifty to four hundred thousand um, for you know an average you know, home sales. So we're looking at anywhere between, um, you know, 10 to 12 properties. Um, because, you know, we got to get the, the 80,000 in sales to hit that 16,000. Our average in in Illinois um, is two and a half percent commission. So it depends on the commission that's offered. I know some States 3% is more common. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, with that, you know, type of sale, we're, we're looking at at least 10 to 12 transactions, um, you know, potentially more or less depending on if we do like a big commercial deal or, you know, if we get a handful of small fixer upper properties that we happen to be selling.
1: Sure. Awesome. And Jake, yeah, I, I think about us is- and
3: the team, we mostly take the, yeah, we mostly take the quantity versus like the luxury route, right? I think right. we're usually capping and hitting the icon mark due to volume versus, you know, one, one giant $5 million deal or something. So, uh, for us, it's just keeping the pipeline pretty full. Um, not focusing too much on, hey, where we are, where where are we at in the year. It's just keep going and and count on it good things will happen type of approach no
1: and that's that's smart too not turning down a transaction because um you know how bad would it suck to hit your cap and then you're at 19 uh transactions and your year's about to end (laughs) and um you know you passed on some dude that wanted to buy an empty plot of land like just something like that um so it's good to uh you know always stay consistent with that and Uh, be a realtor for the people, you know, instead of uh, just for the luxury and for all in it for the commission checks. So moving on from that, guys, it's more than just production to be an icon agent. You also have that cultural commitment, which is awesome uh, because it gives back to the EXP culture, boosts morale, not to mention you guys are icon agents. So to be mentored or teaching an EXP world by the best of the best, top 2% of the company is an incredible system that EXP has come up with. So what do you guys do to fulfill your cultural commitment? Why did you go with that path?
2: So I I think we're both mentors. I'm, so I'm definitely a mentor. Um, I believe Jake is as well, but he can expand on that. But um, yeah, I went the mentor route and uh, EXP is kind of switching things up this coming year, which I really do like is, you know, we're switching over to this point system where we can fulfill our cultural obligation through a number of different ways. And so, um, you know, doing some of the icon presentations and, and a number of different ways that we can give back, uh, to eXp is, you know, great for us. And then it's just genius by eXp, you know, incentivizing people, um, to, you know, help them out. I mean, there, there wouldn't be the, the capacity to, uh, I don't think train this many new agents if, if there wasn't this really cool hidden incentive um, for, for what we get for being a mentor as an icon. Uh, And so I've, for the last year I've, I've been a mentor. I've, I've been super happy to, you know, have a a number of my mentees, you know, graduate from the program and um, give them, you know, kind of the rundown on how I think Jake and I just have really done things uh, taking more of an approach of like, the ground running get out there find clients um and you know i think that a lot of my mentees have had success that way but um yeah definitely looking forward to uh giving back in some other ways just because you know mentoring is cool but um I, i love the fact that now we're able to help out in a couple of different ways
1: absolutely i love that too and uh the mentorship teaching even vetting other icons there's a lot of options for it and you guys were both as shareholders yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, so they introduced like a new point system. So that'll be interesting uh, to kind of see how that plays out and how different people, uh, you know, kind of add up those points and you know what avenues are going to take for that. But Jake, how do you fulfill your cultural commitment?
3: Same uh, in the beginning, it was all mentoring. And I think there was a nice um, win-win situation there because it fulfilled that need, but it also, you know, kind of thrust me into the practice of training and vetting potential team members. Right. So a lot of my mentees and yeah. eventually joined the team and I just saw the value of, you know, how to bring someone up from, you know, having zero experience and how to really potentially set them up for success. Um, and then also, you know, the other side of the coin of, you know, if they joint, don't join the team or how some people might, unfortunately fall by the wayside if they don't have someone there to kind of keep them motivated, keep them on track. So for me, mentorship has been my path, you know, to, to hit icon, um, beyond just production for the cultural portion. But yeah, same, I'm looking forward to potentially jumping into the EXP world and participating in those, um, you know, trainings because it hasn't really been something we've I've needed to do in the past. I potentially wanted to, but you know, they're kind of giving you a nice nudge, to the, to the edge here to, to take that step and, you know, do a few more things beyond just mentoring. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that as well.
1: Absolutely. Awesome guys. And then my third question, when it comes to icon, there is a lot of benefits, right? Like a big glass, shiny trophy. Jake, I think I see those in the background. <laughs> Why can't I figure? Yep. Right. Right there. I
3: think I see one <laughs> I
1: Mike's going to be like, mad at, at me because I just put, on the, I can- I just put on the shelf.
3: I just put on the shelf recently. <laughs> Um, really he, was, he had a joke the other day yeah you got to show him off he, he had a joke today he's like or the other day he's like oh mine are both still sitting in the boxes i was like yeah mine are too uh, but not
1: anymore michael go get those uh, so
2: i do i need a bookshelf like i so it's just a, a very funny side story so you know the, i jake lives in a house he is able to, not that I don't live in a house, um, but I still move every single year. Uh, I yeah. do what we, we work with a lot of investors, and I do what our investors often do, which is called house hacking. So um, yeah, I I'm, buy, yeah, so you know what know it is. For the
1: listeners that need to, they need, what is house hacking, Michael?
2: So house hacking is buying a property owner occupied and then living in, you know, one of the units or one of the bedrooms for at least a year and, you know, then keeping it as a rental after you move out. And so I have been a transient nomadic person for several years, um, not paying my own mortgage. I haven't paid a mortgage like ever, um, just because I've been moving from house to house and and having, you know, everything covered um, by the tenants. So that's been great, but setting things up, actually having, I don't have a dining room table at my new place yet, and I've been there for four months. Um, So I I either eat out on the patio or I eat standing up in the kitchen. Um, And so, yeah, I I know I need to set up my icon trophies. I haven't done so yet, but I will get to it. I'll put them them in the kitchen on the counter or something.
1: (laughs) For everyone listening, Michael doesn't have a wife or kids, and he's homeless. So... um... (laughs) Yeah. No.
2: I'm doing oh but I but I'm an icon, so I'm doing great.
1: He's, he's killing the game, doesn't have to pay mortgage, doesn't have to pay bills. So um if you guys are single I'm looking, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well that's awesome. Um so you know, obviously we talked about the big glass shiny trophy. You guys get your cap back in stock, the opportunity to go to shareholders, EXP Con. Um you know, great reputation, easy to catch referrals as an icon. So what is your favorite part about iconing? Why do you guys want to make sure that you're hitting that goal again and again? Because even production-wise, you still have a lot to um, take on culturally. And it's a big goal, and you have to make sure you're hitting all those marks. So why is that a goal for you guys every year?
3: Um, I'll take it a little beyond just iconing, but it's, you know, we definitely want to maintain that – status to be able to continue to get referrals, um, you know, adding that icon X2, X3, X4, X5 will start to, you know, become a little bit more impressive year over year. Um, But for me, it's also just another path to some passive income, right? And I think uh, we didn't talk much about the stock awards, but um, it's hard to save, you know, a lot of agents don't do a self-directed IRA or things like that. So i always maxing out my 5% stock awards, right? Um, and achieving icon status just means I know I'm hitting a certain amount of, you know, stock awards and stock savings. Um, so having that nest egg, if you will, and having it kind of just be something I ignore and hopefully we'll look back on in five to 10 years and be able to buy a lake house with or whatever the, the plan might be. Um, that's what kind of keeps me pushing for, that type of production, because I know I'm putting, um, you know, at least a certain amount aside that is going to be there in the future to help me and my family.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My
2: yeah. Guys. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, Jake kind of hit it on the head. I mean, there's all that vested stock that you know we were very fortunate to have just sitting in an account now um that you know I don't plan to touch for for a long time. I, I think one of the bigger things for me though is you know, hitting icon and the amount of time it takes to hit icon every single year is going to be a measure of the success of Jake and I and the team, you know, so we are still in production, we are still doing our own deals, but the more that we're able to successfully grow our team and, and teach our team and everything, um, you know, I think we'll end up each hitting icon faster and faster and, um, And that'll be a measure of, you know, the success of the team. If next year uh, with more team members and, you know, a larger growing national team, I hit Icon in less time, you know, maybe it'll be a product of the market. But it'll be something that I'll need to evaluate of like, hey, is the team, you know, doing as well as we were wanting it to? What do we need to adjust? Um, And so Icon has almost become, you know, a tracker for me personally. And, um, and there's a ton of benefits to it. And obviously, you know, we've touched on a lot of those, but um, I I think it, it's a good marker of, you know, our overall success as a team as well.
1: Absolutely. And, um, you know, Like I said, the reputation, the success as a team, it's easy to get referrals and you become that, you have that elite status and, you know, it helps with recruiting and getting people on your team and everything else that has to go with it. And, you know, when it comes to iconing, this is my next question for somebody that's either a rookie and new to EXP, or they've been in the game for a little while, just made it over to EXP. What does iconing in their first year look like for them? Is that possible? Um, just for some ideas and points to talk on for you guys. You don't have to answer all of these, but you know, what are some goals they should set every day? Major mistakes to avoid? Where should they be leaning in um, for help, or how to plot this out? And just once again, is it possible for them? We can start with Jake.
3: Yeah, I would say. Um, so I I was lucky enough to hit icon my second year. Um, I hit the ground running a little bit besides not coming from another brokerage. I had some investor contacts and, you know, knew the game a little bit, but it's doable. You know, I didn't have any, I didn't come from another shop. I just got my license. It only took, you know, 18 months. So it's, it's possible. Um, I was full time. Right. So, you know, you get out what you put in, just like in a lot of sales type positions, right? If you work hard and put in the time, it will come, Um, you know, build it and they will come, right? Type of a thing. So at the end of the day, it comes down to that phrase a little bit, you know, you get out what you put in, you know, you work hard, you make the calls, you you know, it's going to happen. It's very realistic. Uh, EXP has done a great job of not making it a moving target. Um, Mm -hmm. It's besides the cultural, you know, portion we've mentioned, the production portion has not changed, right? Like, um, it's, it's very transparent, very easy. My advice would be don't fret and track yourself every single day on the sales, look at it, you know, take a step back and revisit it every three to six months, because if you get too focused on what you sold, you know, maybe that day or that month, you might lose focus of your, you know, building your pipeline. Um, it'll just naturally start to hit. Right. So for me, it was more less about, you know, what did I do what were my KPIs today um, versus let's just revisit and making, you know, make sure I'm hitting some type of minimum, minimum
2: number every three to six months and, and focus on just selling.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I think Jake is is kind of spot on with something that he was, you know, talking about and, and I want to hit directly is like, um, lead generation. So that for me is like the biggest thing. And and I do the same thing. I don't, I couldn't tell you how many deals that we've done so far this year. I honestly don't know. We, we don't really look, um, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, we'll, we'll look at the end of the year, but we want to make sure that every single day we are lead generating. We know our lead gen sources. We track them through our CRM. And I think that's one of the biggest things that, you know, rookie agents can forget about, you know, the, there's, you know, if you've read The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, you know, one of the things that is talked about in that book is that you need to spend time every single day lead generating, every single day. You cannot take time off of lead generating. Even if you've got more leads than you can currently handle, you need to continue to lead generate every single day. And so we are doing that every single day. We are looking for new leads, new lead sources. Um, We are, you know, sourcing leads from, more lead generation, you know, sources than we can find. And for, for us as team leaders, you know, and having the amount of people, I I think we've got somewhere around like 20 people on our team here in Chicago. And we're like, we've talked about, we're expanding into other areas. Every lead is a good lead. You know, we, we need to keep the people on the team working. We need to keep their pipelines filled and they're not all going to be good leads. You know, we, we get leads from back end paid referral lead gen sources. We pay out front for different types of leads we have, you know, I have a big sphere of influence, um, you know, from, you know, things that I've done in the past. And so, you know, that has been beneficial for us. Um, I go to the gym and I talk to people like every single way that you can lead generate, you have no idea what it could potentially turn into. I I played rugby for 18 years. I sponsored my rugby team for 500 bucks last year. We got a 660 $650,000 $650,000 sale and then a $1.1 $1. $1 million buy out of one of my teammates. Um, you know, every single source in your life is a potential, you know, lead. And, and you need to focus on that. And, and I think that will be, you know, the biggest producer of success is making sure that you are keeping your pipeline filled with quality leads and then having a CRM that can follow up on them. Because even the longer term leads will eventually, you know, hopefully turn into something if you are touching them, you know a certain amount of times per year. There's the, I think it's the 22 touch system that is, is talked about in the millionaire real estate agent. Um, but you know, whether or not you follow that to the T or you, you have your own you know way of following up, you just need to make sure that you're staying on top of these. And eventually people have real estate needs, like everybody needs a house, everybody needs somewhere to live. Um, and so that is the biggest thing that I started from the beginning is constantly generation.
1: Absolutely. No, that's super smart um, to just keep that pipeline coming. I love how you said, you know, you're getting them uh, organically, you know, through sponsorship of your rugby team or, um, you know, going to the gym and just having those conversations. I think that's incredible advice, uh, for somebody looking to icon in their first year, it's a great place to start, get those leads going. And, uh, maybe somebody who's not ready to buy now will be by the end of your financial year. So that's important when you're down to those last couple of transactions. And Jake, Michael, were you guys ever skeptical of eXp when it was introduced to y'all?
2: No, funny enough. Like I, you know, I talked to, you know, a couple people from a couple of other brokerages before I talked to EXP. Um, But, you know, I I did my research on it, you know, as soon as I had that first conversation. And, you know, I I think the fact that I had a personal referral um, that that the CEO of the company that I was working for, you know, vouched for it. That was a big thing for me. Um, But no, I mean, the, the fact that we are traded on the NASDAQ, I think speaks absolute volumes. We're, you know, not that private companies aren't legitimate, but, you know, to be included on the NASDAQ is a very strong, you know, sense of legitimacy for this company. Uh, and then, you know, the numbers nowadays, I mean, when I joined, there was 22,000 agents, something like that. Um, and that wasn't even that long ago, but the fact that we're, you know, over 83,000 at this point, uh, just speaks volumes. If people know the amount of agents that are with different brokerages, it's, it's huge. So for me, it was, no, I I was pretty sold and in per, pretty much a believer from day one.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Jake.
2: Yeah, same. I, I, I think, uh, you know, I did my own due
3: diligence, but I looked at it like, <clears throat> you know, low, pretty low risk, right. You know, give, get everything a she XP, you know, kind of put their money where their mouth is, if you will, like it, cost, I think when I joined like $150 to register and it was 80, you know, it's still like $85 a month. So worst case, you know, two or three months in what I'm going to be out, you know, a few hundred dollars and I've got some business cards. Um, so, you know, we're lucky that it, it did stick and the reputation is, is great. And I think it's all about expectations as well. Right. A lot of people do hear about the agents that your agent number 20 or 40 or 60 with uh, EXP who have this amazing recruitment downline and they're making, you know, $300,000 a month in passive income and it's happening and it's true, but I was not expecting that to happen to me, you know, right away or, you know, they have these goals, these dreams of doing nothing and making millions of dollars, right? You still have to do work. We're still real estate agents. You still have to produce, you still have to sell. So I think it's important for people to come in with realistic expectations and, and focus on what we're really meant to do, which is- you know, service customers, buy and sell properties. Right. So, um, I think coming in with that type of expectation will set you up to succeed.
1: Absolutely. Well, great guys. Um, and then, you know, as far as somebody that's watching right now, they see the greener grass, but they hear the things, you know, from their broker that use a cult, it's a pyramid scheme. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. And what would you have to say to somebody watching right now for our final question? Um, that maybe they're on the fence, they see the greener grass, they don't want to cut that tie with their broker or they're scared, or um, they're listening to those things in the industry. But again, they see all the benefits of being eXp. How would you light a fire underneath them to go ahead and make that make that leap?
3: I would say, do the math, right? You know, there, if you're at a company that doesn't have a cap um, <clears throat> and you know, ignoring even all the fringe benefits of recruiting, and stock which again i just like to see as icing on the cake um, do the math yourself you know a lot of people just sell 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 they don't take a step back to understand you know what if i did have a cap how much more would i be making so start there and if that delta and that difference is really large i think it's worth taking a chance like right? like i said i think what is it up to maybe $250 now a sign up fee plus $85 a month a few months to try something out pretty low risk to me that could end up making you 10, 20, 50, a hundred thousand more dollars per year. Um, So to me, money talks, right? So
2: do the math um, and do your own due diligence.
1: Awesome.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty much exactly what Jake said, you know, look at what your brokerage offers to you and, and just remember that uh, The important thing about being, you know, with a brokerage is what the brokerage can do for you. Um, You know, it's not about what the brokerage does for clients. You are the client facing person, you know, we could be with any brokerage in the entire world. Like uh, Jake and I can sell, you know, a a high end, you know, $4 million house, just the same if we're at EXP versus, you know, any of what are considered some of, you know, the, the name brand luxury places. Um, it, it's not about you know the brokerage when it comes to the sales. So you got to remember that it's about what the brokerage does for you. You know, does your brokerage have you know too high of a cap or you know too high of a, a split? You know, are, are you giving up too much to your brokerage? Um, because at the end of the day, you're the business. The brokerage is not the business. The brokerage is who holds your license. The brokerage is who you know make sure that you know you're doing what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, from an E and O perspective and all that kind of stuff. But you need to make sure that you're maximizing what you're getting from your brokerage and for me, exp is just a no-brainer in that regard. I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but with revenue share and with becoming an icon at the end of the year we're not paying anything. We're making more off of exp than we are giving and, and that's just phenomenal. And if there's another brokerage that offers that, sure, but even these hundred percent brokerages that just charge a you know four to five hundred dollar transaction fee, you know you're still paying the, the equivalent of a cap or more if you're doing the kind of volume that, that Jake and I are doing. If you're doing the kind of volume that we're doing, you're paying, you know, a ton of money. Um, so I think just looking at what your brokerage is giving you, it'll become pretty obvious that there's not a better option.
1: Okay, awesome. No, you you said that so well, Michael. And um make sure if you guys have questions to hit Michael and Jake up. Um, you know, everybody's happy to field questions, even if you aren't ready to make that move to EXP. And as we wrap it up today, guys, anything that you'd like to leave the listeners with?
2: Oh man, putting us on the spot. Um, no, I don't think so. I think just, you know, for rookie agents, um, that's the biggest thing. Cause there's a lot of people that enter, enter this business. Um, just, you know, don't, don't give up too soon. Um, I did three deals in my first six months um, I wasn't terribly motivated, you know, I was in a similar boat as, as Jake. Um, but as soon as I decided to become motivated, and I took a couple of months to, to figure it out, it just took off. Um, and so I, I would say that's the only thing is if you're an agent, you're listening to it, you're not having some success early on, just keep grinding the, the harder you work. This is a commission based business. This is a, you know, what Jake mentioned earlier, what you put in you get out, um, you just got to keep doing that and keep grinding, and you'll eventually find some success.
3: Join a team. Uh, join a team or pay for leads. Right, they're not just going to fall from the sky. So that's all I tell a lot of you know new if this is to address to newer agents, uh, be prepared to pay for leads or give a split. Right, and then eventually you can grow things organically and move on from that. But in the beginning, you kind of have to pay your dues in a sense. So uh, be willing and able to do that.
1: Well, awesome guys. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, Almost a 50 minute podcast. So (laughs) that's pretty uh, incredible. And are you guys gonna be at eXpCon?
2: Yeah. Vegas PD, yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I plan on seeing you guys there. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for your time and um, talk to you guys soon.
2: Thank you for having us, appreciate it.
1: Of course, guys, we'll talk to you later. Bye Bye-bye.